I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Ever seen the sky so blue? It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. All right, I'm going to be honest. I was a little nervous about coming back here. Well, it's great to have you back. I This is, you know, Maria has been doing the show for three or four years Four now, years. Four years. Yeah. And does, I love doing the show with Maria, but it's always a pleasure to have you back. I listen sometimes on Saturday mornings. By the way, Tim Hughes here. That's Tom Bettis. Uh, Maria Chaleos is on a ship somewhere in the Greek Isles. I, I kind of wish Santorini I was. Santorini yesterday. I wish I was there along yeah. with her. Uh, although she's been getting some rain, and we've got nothing but beautiful sunshine today. Now, but when the uh, music rolls, it feels like a nice old uh, pair of slippers just to slip into here. Yeah, music hasn't changed in 30 or 40 <laughs> years, at least the intros. Yeah. Just comfortable old home. Well, I'll tell you what I love about listening to you and Maria uh, since I stepped away to go uh, work in the mornings with uh, Amanda on Utah's Morning News is you've got two people here that can actually talk about flowers, can actually talk <laughs> about trees. Uh, Maria knows her stuff. She does. She loves gardening and, you know, especially perennial flowers, but succulents, trees, whatever it is, you know, off the air every week is a conversation about what she's doing in her yard and yeah. she's doing a complete redo and it's always a fun conversation. Yeah. Uh I replaced my deck, tore mine out, and replaced it several years ago. So I've, we've been sharing notes around the cube farm <laughs> with what she's in store or what's in store for uh, her and Bob over the next several months while they work on that project. We should tell everybody where we're at today. We're at the uh, Weber Basin Water Conservancy. Uh, there are gardens up here. When I pulled into the parking lot, I almost didn't recognize the place. There's just been so many things done. The gardens are gorgeous. You know, plants are starting to mature. There's things in bloom everywhere. And it's a not only is it just beautiful to come look at, but everything in this garden are things that are readily available that you can use in your yard that will be low maintenance and save quite a bit of water. Yeah. You 
You talked trees and flowers. Uh, before we get to our first guest who's going to walk us through some of the activities of the day here, let's talk about this crab apple that you sent me a link for because uh, it's sort of a cross between flowers and trees. You get a little it bit is. of both. Well, it's a crab apple that's newer. It was introduced by a company out of Oregon called J. Frank Schmidt. But this uh, crab apple is called Marilee. And we're familiar with spring snow crab apple, which is a fruitless crab apple that's wildly popular because it doesn't have any fruit. And spring snow gets 20 to 25 feet high and wide, which with a lot of smaller homes, you know, a lot of people are being settled on 10th acre, 8th acre lots. This Marley is very similar to where it's still fruitless, very similar, actually more showy flowers, but it's only about 10 feet wide. And oh, so wow. it eats, it has a lot smaller footprint than many other trees. Still too big to put into a park strip? No. No? No, it'll stay below the power lines, and it, with it only getting about 10 feet wide, it will, and it being a little bit of a vase shape, it will will not really obstruct people's views with just a little bit of shaping. And with that, kind of the vase shape to it, it is less likely to have people as you're walking by or skateboarding by to <laughs> actually get clotheslines. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um. You were mentioning its uh, height and width. One of the other things, and please explain to me, when it comes to the fruit itself, it says virtually fruitless. What does that mean? So you may get three or four crab apples on it in a year, and you can just walk out and pick them off. Oh, okay. That's it. So virtually fruitless Not much of a cleanup problem. No, not much of a cleanup problem. The flowers are mostly sterile, so... It really is uh, a beautiful, showy tree. How long would those blossoms last? They'll last in the spring for about a week and a half to two weeks, which is average for most flowering trees. Yeah. All right. Introduce us to our first guest here. Our first guest is the general manager of Weber Basin Water Conservancy District, Scott Paxman. Scott, am I, am I wrong or has most of this uh, infrastructure been dropped into place <laughs> since I left four years ago? Yep, four years ago, you're right. It, it, in fact, we had an open house or planned an open house for this new conservation building just as the pandemic hit. Yeah. And so we never did do the big open house. And anyway, so it's been just a couple of years since we've had people in it. Well, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it really makes a big, and big lo- difference. Lots of office space, it looks like, and this will be perfect for your day today, that there is uh, an area in there that will hold quite a few people in a That's room right. where you can do instructional stuff. It was built to be a class class set classroom setting so that we can do presentations and, and, and a magic show today. So, yes, absolutely. It's going to be fun. Ton, uh the attraction is always going to be the gardens here, and that's, uh, I'm sure, Scott, your reason for putting the infrastructure is to make it even a little more enticing for people to come because there's so much to learn, and particularly where we've been talking for the last few years about water conservation. Right. So much to learn, and uh, we were blessed with a crazy amount of <laughs> snow that's still coming down out of the mountains. Uh, but I'm sure the big concern today, and we'll talk a fair amount, of prob- uh, amount about it, uh, Ton is we don't want people to get complacent now that you've got full pool water and you've got no. rivers and streams full. No, because we've had so many problems, especially the last two or three years, that this so far is a little bit of a hiccup in a drought trend, 
and we're not sure if it's going to continue or not. But with our growing population, you know, projected by 2050 to be over 6 million, you know, water conservation is just here no matter what. Even if we have bumper water years with a population that big, conservation is still going to be the message. Yeah, we want it to be a lifestyle change. I mean, we really need to have people being in the conservation mind or the water efficient mind all the time, whether it's a good water year, a poor water year. And we need this good water year just to replenish our reservoirs and get things going again. And we don't want to waste it if we cannot all help it. So that, that's that's the key. It really is. I, you know, as I'm driving around and I, you know, about three weeks ago, people were charging their sprinkling systems and I saw people watering in yeah. rainstorms, yes. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? Oh, yeah, we, we do a fair amount of water shaming. At least I do. <laughs> I say we, but I do a fair amount of water shaming uh, when I'm driving in at 4 in the morning and yeah. sprinklers are on and it's raining outside. Right. <laughs> the truth is, with these uh, afternoon showers that have come in, this monsoonal flow has arrived early this year. Yeah. Temperatures have been mild. So we don't need to be watering. Yeah, I think I've run my systems, my system twice this year. Yeah. Well, you just don't. I mean, it's so cool, and you get the showers in the afternoon. It's been perfect. I ran, I've run mine twice. Once to, you know, make sure the system uh-huh. was, was working and that there, were, there was no uh, waterbed uh, buildup on one side of my lawn where I've had a pipe break before. Uh, and the other time was to do a little fertilization, and I right. didn't see a storm in the forecast for a couple of days. Talk, tell us about what's coming up on uh, you know the schedule today so we really appreciate uh you coming out ksl being here uh, we're going to have a great crowd there's lots of things going on we've got lots of free free food a lot of vendors this year i think we're we're at a record this year for vendors so there's a lot of things to to look at and to buy and uh, great ideas on on plants and, and those sorts of things so um we're going to be uh you know talking about flipping your strip and and replacing sod, there's a there's just a hundreds of plant varieties, drought tolerant plant varieties that uh, you are you can look at and decide you know they're mature, so you can see how they are going to look in your yard, and those would be perfect to be going back into your places where you're tearing out sod. One of, the, one of the other things I remember, and we're looking at some of it right here in front of us, uh, Ton, is the, the opportunity. Y- you'll get sold from time to time or hear about grass varieties that are going to, you know, not use so much water and how great they'll be. And if you tear out the uh, bluegrass that you had and you throw this seed down and it comes out and your kids just can't even play in it, <laughs> you, you can actually take your shoes off and wander around. You can. And it's interesting because on the far, you know, and I know we're getting close to a break, but that far one, buffalo grass, it makes a pretty nice turf, and they'll tell you a little about it. But the one closer to us is called dog tough turf, and it tolerates lower mowing, but it uses half the water of Kentucky bluegrass. Very warm weather grasses. Wow. Absolutely. All right. Uh, all right, uh, Scott, thank you. We'll you be che- We'll be checking in again. We have other guests that are going to be joining us over the next three hours. The Greenhouse, live today at Weber Basin. Before you go, uh, Scott, I, you're going to be better at this than I am of explaining to people how they get here. Oh, so the best place, well, it depends on where you're coming from, but uh, 84, Highway 84, and Highway 193. We're right on the interchange of that that uh, interche- intersection, so you can get it from, here from I-15 or from 89. Coming on off I-15, the 700 south exit in Clearfield and go east. Clear almost to I-89, the last left you can take. 
that's where we're yes. at. Yeah. Perfect. You yep. couldn't ask for a better morning weather-wise yes. either. So come and uh, see us. We'd love to say hi. Uh, here's the number to call if you want to uh, jump in and have a question for Tom this morning. It's 801-575-8255. That's KSL Talk. We'll have more of The Greenhouse when we come back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the KSL Greenhouse. Tim Hughes in uh, this week for Maria Chaleos. It's fun to be back with my buddy, Tom Bettis. We we share emails from time to time, but we never get to see each other. We do. With you working a weekday schedule and I've got my full-time job, it's been a few years. Uh-huh. But every once in a while on the station, I try to drop by and at least say hello. I don't know why you don't swing by at 4 a.m. on a <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> Just to say hi. Uh, we're anxious to say hi to you. Uh, by the way, you can text us if you'd like to at 57500. I know when I'm listening, Maria will work those in from time to time. But let's go to the phones here. Janice is on the line in Kaysville, has a question about replacing Kentucky bluegrass. Uh, Janice, welcome. Nice to have you. Thank you. We are. Um, my main question has to do with the trees and the lawns where I'm replacing the grass. So we're replacing our Kentucky bluegrass with Berenberg tall fescue RTS sod. I'm wanting to know what chemical to put on the bluegrass to kill it that won't kill my trees. That's the first question. The second question is, we're amending the soil, adding compost and soil conditioner, and it will raise the level of our soil four inches. I wonder to know if that's gonna be a problem for my trees. And the last question is, is since the tall fescue is going to use a lot less water, I'm worried that my 30-year-old London plane tree and my 20-year-old Silicoga tree are getting enough water. I'm wondering if I need to put in some sort of a root watering system for the trees. You probably won't, but we'll, we'll take those in order. The first one about what to kill out the lawn with, and the simplest thing is just some sort of roundup or kills all the just spray according to label and give it probably at least two weeks to make sure that the grass dies out maybe three and then once that grass is dead you can go to the hard work of getting it removed and the labels are usually about a week wait on reseeding or resodding so you should be fine there now on the soil conditioner if it's just compost and you till that in, you probably could get away with three inches, and I would work it into the soil. You don't want to put grass seed or sod on top of that. And as you put that on the soil, it will temporarily raise the grade a bit, but that compost decomposes, and you'll be right back to where you were within a couple of years because that compost is broken down. Okay. Now, in reference to your sycamore... You know, you still will need to irrigate the fescue at least every seven days. And you're going to irrigate it to a depth of about six inches to nine inches or maybe a foot. 
And so the trees will still get water, but what you can do is just take a hose-in sprinkler out maybe once a month and under the canopy of the tree, just sprinkle it for an extra couple of hours and, you know, give it some time to soak in and then just get a screwdriver with a long shaft, stick it into the soil. And if that's gone a foot to 18 inches deep, you've done your job and then the sycamore will be fine. Okay. And that's the same with the Zilcova. Correct. I, w- I okay. would just emphasize uh, the one part that Tom threw in there about taking your lawn out. Killing it is easy. Uh, removing that turf, and there is still quite a bit of thatch and stuff there, that's the work. And, and it tr- is. trying to do it with a tiller uh, doesn't even work very well. <laughs> You'll feel like yeah, you've been so riding we... a buck and bull. Yeah, because it comes up in chunks and it gets caught in the tiller. And So just be prepared for what's ahead. Anyway. Yeah, even when you get a sod cutter, it, those are work. Yeah. Sod cutter might actually be easier. We've hired a landscaper yeah. to handle it, so they'll get that. <laughs> okay, That's all good. good. Nice. All right, Janice, thank you. Uh, Janice was calling us from Kaysville. That clears the line at uh, KSL Talk, 575-8255. I think we have time to get John in here from Sandy. Your question about a maple tree, and you're on with Tom Bettis. Hi. Hi. Well, thank you. Yeah, I have about a 30-foot-tall emerald queen maple. And several of the branches started to leaf out this spring, and then the leaves turned yellow and shriveled up, and there's no more leaves on those branches. I wanted to know what was going on. Well, the tree's been in, it sounds like, for, what, 10 or 15 years at least? Oh, it's it's about 35 years. Oh, 35, so it's even older. So the... Maple trees, especially the Norwegian maples, which yours is a type of Norwegian maple, are quite susceptible to some root diseases after about 15 to 20 years. And, you know, the way to stave them off a little bit is regular deep water. You don't want to drown the tree, maybe just a little bit of fertilizer in the spring to keep them vigorous. But there's a number of what we call vascular wilt diseases, including verticillium and phytophthora, that will get into the root system and work its way through the tree. But it's really common for those Norway maples to do that. And so all you can do at this point is the branches that are dead, and you could, if they just died this spring, you could give them another two or three weeks to see if they form new leaves. And if they don't, you know, sometime in July, just prune them out and do your best to keep the tree healthy. Okay. That's discouraging. Yeah, you (laughs) could look around to see if there's any borer holes in the branches, especially at the branch intersections or the crotches. The um, Norway maples are susceptible to shot hole borer and another borer called flat-headed borer. And you would see either little, it almost looked like somebody took a shotgun and shot the tree from far back. Or if it's flat-headed borer, you would see areas of sunken bark with an entry hole sometimes, but you could search for those. Would they be active this early? Ah, they would start to be. They would have been active last year, and they're starting to be active now. Mm. So it would be something that would be residual damage from last year. If there is, you could use a systemic on the tree, but I more suspect, unfortunately, it's the vascular wilt. And it wouldn't just be uh, something simple like uh, nitrogen or... Some fertilizer can help. It it wouldn't go crazy, but if they had some lawn fertilizer, as long as it wasn't weed and feed, you could go under the tree with a... Or iron, I guess, is what I was saying. Sorry. Norways aren't really susceptible to iron chlorosis, usually. Okay. 
but a little bit of fertilizer just to see if you can get some vigor into the tree may help. Okay. Thank you very much for that. All right, John, thank you. Uh, We need to take a break, and so we'll do that. We have a news update on the half hour, and then we'll continue our broadcast today. Tim Hughes in for Maria Chaleos, along with Tom Bettis from uh, USU, Utah State University. I guess that's still your gig, Yeah, USU Extension. Yeah, Uh, and uh, always great. I love listening on Saturdays. Hope you do, too. We will uh, continue our broadcast from the annual Garden Fair today. It runs until 2 o'clock. Free uh, food up here. I know I smelled hot dogs a minute ago. I'm going to be like that dog in the cartoons that just floats (laughs) through the air toward the hot dog machine. We'll uh, have more for you in just a minute, so stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.